I've had a good day. I'm thankful to be in the work of the Lord. I trust you are as well. Thankful that he has given us a task to do, to represent an eternal kingdom. It's not something that is just ours alone, but all of us as God's people. Psalm 14. The fool has said in his heart, there is no God. They are corrupt. They have done abominable works. There is none that doeth good. The Lord looked down from heaven upon the children of men to see if there were any that did understand and seek God. They are all gone aside. They are all together become filthy. There is none that doeth good, no, not one. Have all the workers of iniquity no knowledge? Who eat up my people as they eat bread and call not upon the Lord? There were they in great fear, for God is in the generation of the righteous. Ye have shamed the counsel of the poor, because the Lord is his refuge. Oh, that the salvation of Israel were come out of Zion, when the Lord bringeth back the captivity of his people. Jacob shall rejoice, and Israel shall be glad. Now, if you're writing your Bible... The word fool here is one that is an empty fellow, or he is one that has a muddy head. That's what one commentator says. In other words, he's not clear about life. Okay? He hasn't moved on with a clear thought about what life is all about. My point in that is that some of us can get there too. This is not just talking about an atheist. This is talking about someone that has a muddy head about why we're here and a muddy head about how God is to be involved in our life. We can say we believe in a God, but the question is, do I act like it? Did you need God? Did I need God today? Or didn't we? Are we an acting atheist if we did not need God, if we did not pray, or if we did not... Uh, have a voice open to God today, then it says, they are corrupt, they have done abominable works, there's none that doeth good. We might believe there's a God, but if we haven't done works according to his will, according to his plan, then they've been abominable works. Amen? Amen. Is that right? Children, come up for our children's meeting. Are you ready? Let's do it here again on this side. All right, tonight we're going to talk about a king that had a muddy mind. He knew about God, and this king was a man that had a dream, and a man of God interpreted the dream, told him what it meant, and he says, okay, your God told you that dream. Then the next chapter, it says he made himself God. He made himself to be more important than God of heaven that we pray to. And so guess what happened? There were three men that were thrown into the burning fiery furnace because of that. They didn't listen. Do you know the story I'm talking about? What are their names? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And so the king said, I see four men in there instead of three. I only threw three in, but I see four in there. God was in there. Does everybody agree? God was in there. 
And because God was in there, the king knew that this was something that was a miracle, right? God was showing himself real to him. So he said, yep, the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego is special. But guess what the next chapter says? The next chapter says that the pride of him became so great that God took his kingdom away from him and made him eat grass like a cow. He had to go out into the field and eat grass like a cow. Hmm. Seven years, he was out there eating grass like a cow. He knew about God, but he was acting with a muddy mind. <laughs> In other words, he was acting on his own instead of following God. He was putting himself up as God. So that's a warning for us that we not be foolish and not thank God for things and not ask God for things and not be doing God's things because we're in trouble if we are against God. If we're doing things that are our own, it's against God. In 1993... There was a church fire in Turberville, Pennsylvania. We think that somebody lit the church on fire. Where, where is that? Well, where is that? How can I tell you where that is? It's a long way from here. Is that good enough? <laughs> no, where is it? Where is it? It's in Pennsylvania. Big Pennsylvania. So this church was lit on fire and burnt down the whole way. A man talked to me, and he said, it looks like it was lit. And he doesn't go to church, but he said, I'd never think of burning a church down. He said, I'd be afraid what God would do to me if I burnt the church down. Guess what? To my knowledge, he never caught the man. Burn you up like I'm burning you forever. Yeah, burn up. There's no church building anymore. So one day we all got together to clean up this church building. And so we went to clean up this church building, and we had a lot of people, and we had dumpsters, and we were throwing things into dumpsters, old metal chairs that where the seats were burnt off of them, and we were just throwing everything away. We weren't finding anything really to salvage out of this big church. Okay? So guess what happened? We got to the library, and the books were all burnt up. But guess what we found? We found the book cover of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego's story. Is that a miracle? Is that a present-day miracle? Brothers and sisters, nothing else but the book cover. There it is in a frame. It's burned around the edges. The book's not there, but the cover's there. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. It still sits today in that new church library, in a glass case, and there it is. That's our God. That's why I believe there's a God, because He still does miracles in my heart, in these people's hearts, and He's willing to do a miracle in your heart. That's a God we serve. We don't need to see that every day, but we need to be reminded that there is a God up there. We need to feel that tug when He comes and speaks to our hearts. Should we close our eyes and fold our hands? Should we? Should we pray? God, we thank you for showing yourself real at that church fire cleanup. Thank you for that book cover that was spared as a testimony 
to this congregation that you were still with them and you had never left them nor forsaken them. And as they built their church, they were again encouraged to be a testimony in their community to believe in you and to not give up their faith. Bless our time together tonight, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Anybody have anything else you'd like to say? Yes, what would you like to say? Yet. You didn't plant flowers yet? Uh -uh. I think I'd wait a little bit. Wait till the spring. What do you think? They will be beautiful. Beautiful. All right, you may go back to your parents. Are you going to give me one of those papers? Yeah. Blessings to each one of you. I hope you've had a good day, that you're serving the Lord faithfully, that you're not an atheist, that you're not a person that is acting out as an atheist. Tonight, the presentation is starting on the back of this sheet that I gave to you. It has two views of life. And tonight, we're looking at the perspective, if someone came to you and said, I'd like to convince you to become an atheist. What would they have to say to convince you or me to become an atheist? Is it okay to ask that question? I mean, if we are asked by an atheist why we believe there's a God, is it okay to ask an atheist, why should I believe what an atheist believes? Is that okay question? It's a fair question, isn't it? Back and forth. So in this writing on the back of this handout tonight, it says, an atheist's view of life. I will live my life according to these beliefs. God does not exist. It is just foolish to think that there's a God with a cosmic plan, that an all-powerful God brings healing to the pain in the world. It is it a comforting thought, however? Thought. However, it's only wishful thinking. People can do as they please without eternal consequences. The idea that I am deserving of hell because of sin is a lie meant to make me a slave to those in power. The more you have, the happier you'll be. Our existence has no grand meaning or purpose in a world with no God. There is freedom to be who I want to be. But with God, everything is fine. It's ridiculous to think I am lost and in need of saving. So what an atheist would view, but let's turn that around now. Let's start from the bottom and go up. I am lost and in need of saving. Amen? It is ridiculous to think everything is fine. But with God, there is a freedom to be who I want to be. In a world with no God, our existence has no grand meaning or purpose. The more you have, the happier you will be is a lie meant to make me a slave to those in power. Because of sin, I am deserving of hell. The idea that people can do as they please without eternal consequences is only wishful thinking. It is a comforting thought, however, that an all-powerful God brings healing to the pain in the world that there's a God with a cosmic plan. It's just foolish to think God does not exist. 
I will live my life according to these beliefs. I don't get credit for putting that together, but I thought that was pretty cute. I thought it was pretty real. You know, we have a, a worldview, an atheist view of life or a Christian's view of life. Let's see if we come on here, if we have anything to... Yes, there we go. Okay, so nothing fancy tonight here. I'm not intending to be fancy in these presentations with the PowerPoint, but this will be a little helpful. Remember again, the fool in this verse is not necessarily an atheist. In Psalm 14 that we just read, it was anyone that was going against a life lived for God. Anyone that was disregarding God is a fool. And so we have that idea there that it is given, and an idea here that we need to keep in mind that a person who is not going to act like there is a God is going to be abominable in God's sight. Tonight, let's look at a couple of these things and just see if we can see what an atheist might tell us or what he does not have to tell us if he wants to convince us to be an atheist. Now, what is an atheist? What's your definition of an atheist? Let's have some interaction here. He says there is no God. Are there different kinds of atheists? Okay, he might want to, but he says that he can't see the evidence, right? The other night I mentioned that there are people that want to find aliens on another planet. Why are they looking so hard to find aliens on another planet? because it would help them to think that maybe something from outer space influenced what we have here. Okay, we say, let's turn to God. Why are you looking to aliens? Right, but their worldview is there must be something that has brought this whole thing into place. Maybe it is from outer space. And so an atheist has to answer the question, you know, the question here is, where did I come from? How did I get to where I am now, and why am I even here? An atheist can't answer those questions, and we can only answer them based on the Word of God. We can't give something and say, this is, this is something we can prove without a shadow of a doubt. We only have the evidence of the Word of God as to why we are here and also where we are going. So atheism doesn't offer me those things. Atheism gives me no human values to live by. If you ask an atheist, what are the values of an atheist? He wouldn't know what to tell you. Would you know what to tell him about values that the Christian lives by? Sure, you would. But the question is, why then are there people that are turning to atheism instead of the idea that there's a God? We have in our society in America an increase in those that are professing atheism. Statistic presently is about 10 to 12% of the American people that are claiming to be atheists. About 7% of those, according to the statistics, the best way you can get it, 
Again, the definition has to be tight, but it's 7% that are purely convinced that there's no God. So that has gone up in number. Why is it going up in number when in some other parts of the world that number is decreasing? Used to be that China was the biggest atheistic country. Communism has impacted that. And other countries who have had an atheistic uh, percentage way above the United States. I mean, the United States isn't even in the top 10 countries that are uh, the highest of atheism. But there's a higher uh, atheism is moving up in the United States, and in some other countries, it's moving the other direction. Now, I don't know all the reasons that it's moving the other direction, but I do know some of the reasons that people tell on the phone line that they're atheists today in America. And it's because of religious people that have not proven that they're sincere and genuine to the heart. They're not born-again people, and they've caught all kinds, caused all kinds of turmoil within young people's lives, people who haven't been well-grounded. There's a lot of that, that there's hypocrisy that they're looking at, and they're saying, hey, what am I going to do with that? In three weeks' time, in the billboard call, I had 16 people that declared they were atheists and said they're atheists because they were in the church, and the problems that were in the church, the problems that were insincere parents in their faith, and they left the church. 16 in three weeks' time who said they were in the church, and they left. Okay? So they put ahead of their logic, they put ahead their feelings, and said that I don't even want to talk about it. I don't even want to be a part of it. But again, I'm encouraged because they called the billboard number. Something said to them, call and argue about it, or call and just check your perspective to make sure that, that you're not off. And some of the most vehement people who call on our billboard number are people who were in the church, but who left the church. That's a scary thing for me because our young people are under the influence of a lot of atheistic teaching or that God is not the sole one to worship, that there's all kinds of gods, that there's all kinds of ways to get to heaven. Atheism gives no human values, so that's not the draw. Instead, atheists are saying that this is freeing them up from that sense of responsibility to God. So if someone has a declaration that they are a good moral person, we have to recognize that their morals did not come because they were atheists. Their morals came because they had a conscience that told them what was right and wrong. And that's a God-given. God gave everyone the awareness, again, we say what we said the other night, that it's wrong to kill, it's wrong to steal, it's wrong to dishonor your parents. And where did that come from? So an atheist has to say that there's no absolute morals. Therefore, I can create my own morals. But he also knows that everybody in society should not kill, he should not steal, and he should not dishonor his parents. Again, I want to I watch my tone of voice as I give this tonight because I do not want in any way to think that we have it all together and they have nothing. 
We believe we have it together. We believe in God, but we can't win them by being arrogant about what we believe. We need to be open and asking them questions and planting a seed of doubt in where they're at. And this is one thing that an atheist would, would need to consider is why does he have any morals whatsoever if he came into being by chance? If you didn't have a creator and you came into being by chance, then why is there even anything that's wrong? Atheism says that there's no objective truth. Now, objective truth is something that is true for everyone. So you and I know that we breathe air, so that's, that's objective truth. We wouldn't do well in water. So that's objective truth. But atheism says that there's no objective truth in that some things might be right for you and wrong for me, and he doesn't want to commit himself, especially in the morality issue, to anything that is objective, just right or wrong for all of us. And so he looks more at subjective truth, and he's asking the question, what's your opinion? And so when an atheist calls and says, I'm an atheist, and he says, what's your opinion about something? I say, well, let's go to God's word. Well, no, I don't want to hear anything about the Bible. You leave the Bible out of this discussion. Well, I say I can't leave the Bible out of this discussion for very long, but if you want to leave it out, let's leave it out for one moment, and let's talk about this. Uh, what, what are the things that are obviously moral? And I mentioned the other night, is it right to steal from you? If you're not moral, is it okay if I come and steal from you? No, no, you can't come steal from me. I earned it. Well then you do have a sense of morality, a sense of right and wrong. Atheism says everything must be provable to be believed. I love Alma. How many of you believe that? How do you know that? Did you see me hold her hand? Did you see me kiss her? Do you see my marriage license? Did you see her come with me in the car? How do you know that I love Alma. Well, you believe that, sure. I believe that you spouses sitting together love each other too. I mean, I've seen spouses in the same bench pretty far apart, but you're pretty close together, you're couples. Okay, so I believe that you love each other because there's something that is a cue of how you relate to each other. Does that have to be provable? You need to prove to me that you love your wife or that you love your, your husband. There's some things like love, some things that care uh, is shown, it, it doesn't need to be provable to be believed, okay? So an atheist, if he's truly an atheist, says that everything must be provable to be believed. That means everything must be naturalistic. I must be able to see it with my eyes, and I need to be able to test it. I don't know what my level of love is for my wife. I don't know whether I die for her or not. I think that's where my level of love is. I want it to be for that, at, at that level, Alma. I want to be that I would be willing to die for you, any of you, because that's what God calls us to do. I've not been tested on that level, but I believe that that's where I want to be. But atheism says that everything needs to be proved to be believed. Atheism gives no ground for reason. Why do you have logic? 
Why do I have logic? Is the reason that is a part of life that's meaningful? Yeah, if we didn't have any, any reasoning skills, then how would we make decisions? How would we be creatures of choice? And so atheism says that, that uh, you know, you, you don't have that there is a God who's given you that ability, that somehow your chemicals came together just so-and-so, and you became who you are. We know that's not true because we're made up of a body and a soul and a spirit. But if an atheist was going to try to convince us, he would need to have, of atheism, he would need to give us some ground for reason. Atheism says that humanity is simply the accidental byproduct. Accidental byproduct. Do you feel worth a lot right now? Are you an accidental byproduct? When an atheist says that they're no higher than an animal, it says something about what they feel about themselves or what they understand about themselves. Or it says something about, well, let's, let's leave that for right now. But atheism says that humanity is simply the accidental byproduct of an undirected an unpurposed universe that came from nowhere and is heading into oblivion. Do you know that science says that the earth is going to end? It is going to end. They see it running out of energy, and it is going to end. Nobody in the scientific community says our earth is going to continue forever. Nobody on earth says it has always existed. That's an option we can throw out, but... No one in the scientific community says that the Earth always existed. And the reason being is because of the second law of thermodynamics, which says that things tend to run down. Now I'm throwing you terms here. Just forget about those terms, but just remember the concept that everybody believes that this Earth is tending to run down. And you and I, not, you and I know what the scripture says, and that is that there's coming an end and it's going to burn up with fire. And as Brother Verlin said, I'm ready for it. Not because I don't care about the people, I want to be faithful also, but I'm ready for the end. We have a society that is going down the tubes, so to speak, without God. And it will self-destruct because it leaves God out of the picture. Any culture that leaves God and his values out of the culture is going to self-destruct. But when there's Christians within a culture... It's a conscience. How many times have you gone into a store and somebody's saying a bad story and all of a sudden you appear and they kind of hush up because a Christian walked in, because they realized that, hey, somebody has some values that they don't have and, oh, kind of awakens them to it. I walked in a house the other week and a lady, a lady started living with a man or a man started living with a lady and I just felt burdened to tell them that this was wrong. I knew both of them a little bit. And I was doing a project fixing their water system. And um, it was just, they called, they needed to help, so I went to help. And they're both there, and I just kept thinking about this. I said, I've got to tell them. So I asked them, I said, they're, they're in their 40s, 50s, 50s, I'd say. I said, uh, I understand that you two are living together here now. 
He says, well, no, I'm not here all the time. I says, well, when I drive by your house, when I drive by your house in the morning, your car's here. Oh, yeah, he was, he was caught, wasn't he? At least his car was there. Okay, so I said, I just think that you are living together. Is that true? Well, yeah, sort of right now. He said, well, it would be, be okay if Janelle, my daughter, would do what you're doing. Oh, no, that wouldn't be right. Oh, well, why did you say that? You're doing it, but it wouldn't be right for me, for my daughter to do this. Okay, I said, I care about both of you. And I stood there and I uh, held both of their hands. And I stood between them and I prayed for them, prayed that God would bring them to a place of understanding that what they're doing is wrong. That's a Christian in a culture that is moving down the tubes. We have the opportunity to do that. So the water problem developed again, another issue. And so I went back there again, and the man said to me, he said, hey, I really thought about what you said the other day. I just got to work through that yet, but I heard what you said. And the lady, Alma was along, and the lady went up to Alma, and, and Alma just said, Dale said some hard things to you the other time, didn't he? Yeah, he did, but we're still your friends. Isn't that what she said? You said that? We're still your friends. But that's a conscience that our world needs. And oh, for the wisdom to know when to speak and when not to speak so that there can be some kind of godliness and godly influence within our culture. Atheism says, I have no purpose in being, therefore I must create my own purpose. I must create my own purpose. Fella called in September... And he said, I am an atheist, and I am from Las Vegas. That's Sin City. Did you know that? I said, no, I didn't know that. Why did he tell me it was Sin City? He's calling a religious billboard number. He says, I was, I was in the military, and I was a Bible study leader. And he said, uh, then I went to Afghanistan. I was in Afghanistan and deployed there. And... Um, now I came back, and I have rejected everything about God. I don't really hate religion, but I've rejected everything about God. And then he got talking about a mental pandemic that is spreading through America. Do you know what a mental pandemic is? Let me bring another story into this one. I was on an airplane. Alvin and I were on an airplane flying to Portland, Oregon. A professor in Reed College in Portland, Oregon sat beside me. Reed College is next to Yale and Harvard in the east. It's the Yale and Harvard of the west. Much smaller, but it is a very elite college. Okay, so he's a professor there. He looked to be about 75. I don't know if I misread him or not, but he was from the Jewish origin. Didn't matter, but he said he's an atheist. We had hours to sit there and talk with each other. And I said to him, I, I didn't want to pressure. I just asked some questions. He didn't know much about me. He just talked, talked about the pressure that they put on people for, for uh, a higher education and all that. And I asked him the question. I said, uh, do you have any religious organizations on campus? He said, well, no, none that are active anyway. No, nope. no, this is pretty much atheistic uh, campus. So I had my next question, but I waited for a little while. I says, do you have any mental health uh, people on your campus? Oh, yeah. He said, do many people use it? Oh, yeah, we got a lot of students who mental health issues, we push them pretty hard, and a lot of people that just are confused and 
We got, we, got, we got a big staff for mental health issues. Now, to him, that was a bragging point. To me, that was a revealer. Wouldn't you say? Okay, and that's what this atheist was saying. This atheist from Las Vegas, Sin City, was saying, we have a mental pandemic in America today. Well, why do we have a mental pandemic in America today? Because people aren't believing in a God. They got nothing to believe in. Atheism doesn't offer them anything. It doesn't give you any set of values. It only gives you a sense of, I'm going to walk away from God. You remember the prodigal son in the story of, of the prodigal son? He walked away from his father. And that's kind of what an atheist is doing. He's kind of walking away from his father until he gets to a point where he realizes he has to come home. And the spirit is faithful to draw. When an atheist calls on the billboard line and he says, Dale, he said, three years ago I called you and I was in your face as an atheist and complained to you guys and said you guys are fools. He said, now three years later, I'm calling you to tell you, God got me to the bottom. Drugs took me to the bottom. I went through rehab and I found God. And he says, today I'm calling the number to tell you that I'm a Christian. I'm serving the Lord. All we got to do is plant the seed. All we got to do is say, God, you do the work. We're going to plant the seed. And that's a testimony I can live on for a month. I don't care how many people scream and shout at me on the billboard line. I, if I got one of them, I can live on that for quite a long time because God has done the work. We didn't do the work. We were only part of it. Yes. So this atheist has mental, said a mental pandemic, but he made the statement that we create our own purpose. So I got to the, the end of the conversation with him, and I said, would you tell me who you really are? Could you describe for me who you really are. Not your occupation, not your titles, who you really are. Is that an okay question? I think we have to ask ourselves that question or we get caught up in our titles and everything else, but who are we before God? Who are we really? What really makes us who we are? What really is the purpose that we're here and how do we live for that purpose. Atheism, I mentioned before, sees no difference between humans and animals. I was going to say this tomorrow night, but I'll say it now. I just found out this week that apes take 35 weeks from conception to birth. You know how many weeks it takes for you and me from conception to birth? 40 weeks. I don't think we ever came from apes. I don't know if that's a good argument or not for evolu against evolution, but if apes, if we were apes at one time, it only took 35 weeks to get an ape, it takes 40 weeks to get you and me, I thought that was pretty, pretty interesting. Pretty interesting. No difference between humans and animals. So I asked a man one time, I said, do you ever expect the ape to build a 767 airplane? Oh, well, no, they couldn't do that. Well, if they're developing, if they're getting better, wouldn't it make sense that they'd be able to sometime be able to build a 767 airplane, 747, whatever I asked, told them? Some atheists call and are arrogant. There's a man from Chattanooga, Tennessee, called here in October. And this man said he was raised 
in a family that didn't have religion as its center point. He said he's going to school in New York City for finance. But he came from Chattanooga, Tennessee, and he discussed his atheism with me. And at the end, I ventured to ask whether I could pray with him. And he says, yeah, I personally, I'd love that. Okay. So when I said amen, he said, thank you so much. May God be with you. But he had declared himself an atheist. I chuckle. I don't know what happened there, but something happened that this man changed his tune about that. An atheist called. He saw the sign, why did Jesus create us? And he said, he's an unbeliever. He didn't say atheist, he said an unbeliever. But he said, there's got to be more to life than what I have. Is that our God at work? Convincing people that he is real? Atheism ignores the fact that they don't have all the knowledge that there is. And so in that realm that they don't have, there is that high probability that God has the evidence that they need to see that there is a God. Again, the example, if there's a ball of knowledge of all the knowledge that there is in the universe, how big is your knowledge in comparison to that? Mine's just pea size. Okay, the idea that we, in our pea-sized knowledge, are able to see that there is evidence for God, but a person who is an atheist and has been turned over to a reprobate mind, as Romans 1 says, is not able to see. And so we don't be critical of them. We just pray that God would somehow allow a statement we make to put a block in their way that they have to think about and that they would come to the end of themselves and say, there has to be more to life than there is. Atheism feels like an attack rather than a solution. I think if I was an atheist, I would get tired of being on the attack side of it if I didn't have any values and didn't have anything to offer the person except to try to convince him that there is no God. Don't you think that would get kind of old? I think so. So God's the best answer. We know that for human existence, for values and purpose. And if an atheist came to us and said, look, I believe that I can convince you that there is no God and that you should become an atheist, these are some things that we could consider and have a... There has to be some evidence for it, for those things, or some answer for those things. How do we get knowledge? How do we get ability to logically process information? How do we get the emotions we have? How do we get our conscience? Those are things that are powerful in a discussion with someone who is an atheist. Again, the statement, belief or disbelief is a choice. And we use the example of the Ford, the Chevy. Based on the evidence that you see, which is the best, you choose what you believe. And so atheism is a belief system, just like Christianity is a belief system, just like agnosticism is a belief system. And we all have a belief system. The question is, is it the belief that will see us to glory? There are atheists 
because they have chosen to be. There are Christians who are acting out atheism because they can live the Christian life on their own. They don't need God. They are not praying. They're not reading the scriptures. They're not powerfully connected to God in a relationship. And so they've, in essence, become atheists. For an atheist, we could ask the question, are you absolutely sure there's no God? But they could also ask that. Are you absolutely sure there is a God? Do you have absolute knowledge to be absolutely sure there's no God? No. Then you are not absolutely sure there's a God, and then it is only a belief that there is no God instead of a factual statement. Sorry if that drug that too deep, but if we see this disbelief in the existence of God as being destructive of our culture, I trust we'll be aware that we have something to say to that. And if it's just one of these points that we're able to deal with a question or to help people turn around, I believe it would be worth its time. If God fills a hole for you, that's okay, according to some atheists. But it's amazing the atheists that say life isn't going the way it should be. They need to have something more than what is there. So may God bless you. Remember that faith is a gift, and thank God for that gift.